Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Almost Famous. In the first series of the podcast, I spoke to guests who also grew up with famous family members and discussed how it affected their journeys through life. In series two, I want to explore the subject of fame more directly by talking to people who've experienced it themselves and asking them how it has affected their own journey as well as the lives of those around them. My guest today is television presenter, newsreader, journalist and novelist Penny Smith. Penny first came to the public's attention when presenting the news on Border Television before moving on to Thames News in London. She got her national television break with Sky and then made the move to what is arguably what she's best known for, her role as a presenter on GMTV, which she did for 17 years. Penny has also appeared on shows such as Have I Got News For You, Never Mind The Buzzcocks, The Right Stuff and Loose Women, and writes for a number of national newspapers and magazines. She's also presented numerous radio shows for stations such as BBC Radio 2, Classic FM, Talk Radio and BBC Radio London. So please let me give a huge, almost famous welcome to Penny Smith. Penny, how are you? I'm fine, thank you very much. Uh, we'll go into, I know we're going to end up talking about coronavirus because we're, record, we're recording when <laughs> we're kind of in the, in the midst panic of coronavirus. But before we get into the chat about various things, uh, I should say, as I always do, we're recording from the podcast lounge at Factory Studios. And if you guys uh, need somewhere to do your podcast, please do get in touch with them, factory.uk.com. It's a lovely room, isn't it, Penny? What do you think? Do you know what? I'm very um, happy in here because apart from anything else, I'd, are those flowers real? Have you already checked them? Do you know what? Flowers uh, and anything visual, not great for podcasts, but I don't know if they're real. There are some Listen, flowers in the back of the room. Yeah, uh, they when look you real. say And when you say not, not good for a podcast, can I just say that actually working, because I now work for, I do talk radio and I do Scala radio at the moment. And quite often I describe things. And I think that uh, what it's good at is that you, you get a lovely image. It might not be the right one, mm-hmm. but nevertheless, if I were to describe that this looks like uh, it's 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 quite neutral colours. We've got a pale sage green sofa. You're sitting on what, which is, if you were to squash blackberries and then just <laughs> wa- wash them a bit, and then it would be that sort of colour. And and I'm sitting on a on a similar kind of grey, grey kind of purpley kind of um, sort of looks like Urk- yeah, it sort of looks like Urkel. Do you remember <laughs> Urkel? For those of a certain age, you remember the Urkel type things, which is kind of quite clean lines, and. In front of a of a glass topped coffee table with wood round it, you see, and you're you're beautifully lit by a a kind of lamp that looks like it's been cut out like we used to do when we were kids, and we used to do those lanterns that you'd then string on yeah on, on a wire yeah. uh, that you would do that we would either do with sticky paper uh, or, with, or with glue. The way I would describe this room is like if you were going into 
like habitat or somewhere, and it's the kind of room where they're showing what you could have if you bought all your yeah. stuff from yeah. uh, from that venue. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question I usually open with first penny is, what did you think of your intro? Did I miss anything out? Uh, no, it's, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because when you said um, I was a newsreader at Border, in fact, I was actually a a, a presenter and reporter there. Mm-hmm. There were five of us, and we did everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, apart from what unions were very strong in those days and once I moved a book on the table in the studio I was about to interview somebody about the book so I grabbed it yeah. and then there was this silence and then there was a hurried conversation in a corner and there was the agreement that yes we would be able to carry on with the broadcast despite the fact that I had touched the book which was not my job right I see. So that job would have been who the the, uh, the uh, stage uh, manager, uh, uh, a stage manager. It's not really a stage. <laughs> floor, the, uh, floor manager. The floor manager. That's it. Floor I've worked manager. in TV. Yeah. I couldn't even remember. I couldn't even remember. It's called a floor it's manager. It's weird, that's isn't right. it? Yeah. Exit pursued by book. Uh, so so yeah. No. I, I, and so we used to go out in the morning. In fact. The funny thing was, because there was only one really big news story per day. Now, when I say really big, I mean, you know, it's border television. Cumbria covered Cumbria and the borders and was the best job because I love hiking up there. And I've done a lot of walking all over those hills. And to go and have the opportunity to go and talk to people who lived and worked on those hills and also see the countryside and at weekends get a jolly good stomp in was just perfect. So you'd go out... You went out in something that was called, we called it the bread van. Essentially, it was ridiculous, really, when I think about it. It didn't even seem to have that much equipment in it, for goodness sake. But anyway, you'd go out with the sound man and the cameraman. And it was only men, sound man, cameraman, and and, uh, the reporter. And you'd go out and essentially you'd spend all day out doing two or three stories. Then you'd go back, you'd edit them, and then you'd go and co-host the show with whoever else on that particular rotor. Yeah. So you did everything. Yeah. So and, a, it was, good, uh, and it was brilliant. Yeah. A good so the only that was a very long-winded way of saying you got that part not quite right. Right. But, but near enough is good enough. And uh, starting there, would you say even back then you had uh, a strong level of ambition to make it, you know, international television? <laughs> international television. So when I started, I so I suppose what what you didn't start with is that I spent four and a half years on a newspaper yeah. training mm-hmm. as a journalist, mm-hmm. and it in that four and a half years, I then decided whilst I was there, the only thing in my life, to be honest, was I wanted to go backpacking in South America. Right. So the last two and a half years of my four and a half on the Peter Evening Telegraph was spent working on the newspaper during the day and sometimes doing evening jobs there. Then on the the evenings that I wasn't doing that, I was working at a restaurant. And then at weekends, I often worked in a paper shredding factory just so that I could get enough money to go backpacking. It it was supposed to be for a year. Mm -hmm. And then because I enjoyed it so much... Um, we, it was my boyfriend and I. We then went to America. We did a, a very long trip across the southern United States in a car that kept breaking down, a common gear, because it was the only cheap way to get from one end to the other, and we only had $100. And you kind of delivered this car. And then we flew to Hong Kong, worked there for eight months, and then carried on backpacking for another year in Southeast Asia. 
And out of all the things that I've done in my life, I still count that as one of the best things I've ever done. Right. I mean, you know, there was that we got held up at some machine gun point. We were in a, in, in northern Thailand when we were trekking. We were in a Why knife fight. Why were you fight. held up at gunpoint? I feel like I need to We know. were trekking. We were trekking yeah. and it was a five-day trek and we were – it was day three and there we were. There were five of us and a guide and we came over the hill. It was me and another girl and then three blokes and – Barbara, bless her, poor thing. She was um, she was answering a call of nature when she heard a <laughs> and looked up the barrel of a gun and was marched down to the rest of us who'd already been slightly arrested by these four blokes carrying machine guns who were jabbering at us. And of course, we had no idea what they were talking about. And all I could think as we were handing over staff and all the rest of it uh, was, did I tell my parents that I loved them in my last letter home? Because of course, this was a, a pre-mobile pre pre phones. Yeah. phones pre-phones being even a way of getting in touch because quite a lot of places didn't even have phones. Mm -hmm. And so it was all very... So when they made us turn around after they'd taken everything, that was all I was thinking until until we finally made Eric, the cool Canadian, um, who actually at one point had dropped his shorts to reveal a very unpleasant pair of nylon underpants, right. swirly colours, orange and brown. Uh, we made him turn around and he said they'd gone, at which point, oh, and our guide ran off. Um, I mean, you're clearly very passionate about travelling. Have you done Have you done enough travel shows? You should be, clearly, you should do you just be doing travel shows. I would love to do travel shows. And when I was when I was at GMTV, I was lucky enough to do some some little travel things there. And I tried to make them funny because I think that some, it's when I, I, I did a lot of writing of travel articles for the mm. Mail on Sunday. And for the Mail on Sunday, I did such brilliant things. Like I went on a five-day dog sled. Uh, oh. um, tour in, in, in up in Finnmark, up in uh, in the Arctic Circle. Yeah. You know, I did all sorts of really exciting things. I went in uh, in Canada in the Yukon, did this fantastic five day trek, followed by a three day kayak um, expedition, as it were, down the river, and just black bears fishing, coming charging out of the undergrowth and fishing in the river mm. and bald eagles swooping down and me just sitting there with my black chocolate and cherries and, and a beer just feeling like I'm in a, the Discovery Channel and I'm here. So yeah, but travelling is my is one of my passions. There are quite a few of them. That's the one that, that, that has, has stayed. Every, every trip that I've done that has been, that I talk about, has all, almost always included wildlife. Yeah. I can't think of a time when it hasn't. And for people who don't know how, you know... TV works or stuff, or for for someone who in TV will be known as the talent, mm. is it a matter of you know? So we've just talked about, and you like that you would like to do travel shows a lot more travel shows. I'd love do to. you go and do you go and then pitch to producers and commissioners but travel show ideas, or do you kind of wait for your agent to come? Well, it's with the well, you have conversations with your agent, and your agent goes and has a conversation. But the thing is, well, the things that I'd love to do is Michael Portillo has got the trains, the trains, you know? yeah, yeah, and and Chris Tarrant has got the trains. I'd love to do those. When, and when they've got women now, and, and eventually it did start being that women started doing it, mm. and now we've gone down the. I say down, but we're, it's now comedians. So yeah. you you get you get people who are who, yeah. who are comedic who go and do these things, and I just I can't bear to watch them because I spend my entire time going. Could have been me. Well, could have been me. Do you know what, Penny? That's really interesting because there's because I used to do stand up, so I'm I, I'm across all the social media and friends with on social media, a lot of the comedians. And there was a thread actually um, started by female comedians about how even with these comedian travelogues, the, for instance, the, comed the comedian with their parents, so Ramesh with his mum, Russell Howard with his mum, there's there are no... Jack Whitehall with Jack his dad. Jack Whitehall with his dad. There are no female comedians allowed to do travelogues at all. 
And that's yeah. what this thread, it was a long thread on Twitter. And it's actually, if you go through all of those travelogues, you see there isn't a single female-led no. one, and that's not acceptable. And the, and, and the thing is, as well, is that it, is that it's like everything. You know, you bring a different perspective. When people say, why does it really matter? Oh, stop banging on. All I would say is, it's a different perspective. And it's... It, Yes, it's lovely watching Ramesh and his mum. Mm. Yes, well, you know, lovely. And actually, they're very extraordinarily watchable. The Rob Brydon uh, and Steve Coogan, the same. Yes, they're all... But this, but at the same time, you don't get all the other things that women... I mean, when I was backpacking, um, almost always it was because of me chatting to somebody else that meant that then at the next place we found something else. The connections were made. I remember, for example, at one there was a bus in Nicaragua and then there were about, I don't know, 20 people sitting on this one seat that was designed for three bottoms. And I was swapping DNA with this woman and I, I just said to her, you know, excuse me, I'm so sorry. And I was, you know, luckily I spoke Spanish before I went. And because um, at that point, again, it was it would have been very difficult if you didn't. Yeah, no Google Translate. Yeah, <laughs> no Google Translate. So I said to her, so I'm so sorry, could you just move just that buttock just a little bit more so that I can get th- this bit down onto the actual seat? Because yeah. at the moment, I appear to be sitting on <sighs> about three people. And we were trying to, and I kind of was here first. Anyway, we started having a conversation. We were laughing about how ridiculous it was. And we started chatting, and it turned out that she worked at the American Embassy in Nicaragua, and her son was living in Bogota, in Colombia, which is where we were heading eventually. And, and so because I chatted to her, we then ended up staying with him and going to these incredible parties in Bogota and listening to him playing the organ. Mm. He was an organ player. And it was just all those sort of things. And they were almost always because I chat to anybody. Yeah. Which doesn't say that the, 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 the bloke I went to wasn't chatting to everybody as well. Mm. But I was often the instigator. And it's partly because women are less threatening, still are. Mm-hmm. And, and so therefore there was this... The, it was much easier to make a connection. Nobody thought that, you know, nobody worried if, yeah. you, if it was a, a female having a having a chat to somebody else. All right, so I should bring it round to the uh, background to the format of the show, which is uh, fame. Oh, yeah. I, I always ask uh, the same question of my guests. Are you famous, Penny Smith? Well, of course, I would re- refer you to the Barry Cryer comment, right. which I'm sure people have done before, have they? They have not? not as yet, no. My goodness, what? When he was asked as he was signing an autograph and somebody came up to him and said, are you famous? And he said, obviously not. Okay, but not in this, that's his comment, but how do you feel in general? I mean, I guess a bigger question is, what is fame and how do you think fame, in terms of what you've experienced and how you've seen other famous people around you, like, what do you think the 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 reality of fame is? Is fame, for instance, is someone famous if you get stopped in the street? Is that kind of the the litmus test? Is that for the it? litmus test for famosity? <laughs> yeah, famosity. Yeah, that would have been a good name for this uh, podcast, actually. Famosity. Famosity. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite nice. Season isn't three. It? Yeah, season. Yeah. yeah, you can change. You can change. I think um, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because it's the first time. I think the first time that you get asked for your autograph. It is quite a peculiar thing because up until that point, the only time that you sign anything in those days was a check, really. <laughs> old school. Yeah, old school or a CV. And then there you are being asked to sign your name for no other reason than somebody's seen you on television. And it was exclusively in those days, really, mm. pretty much television. You could be, I suppose, a famous author, but you wouldn't necessarily be going around and about 
being uh, being asked for your autograph. So I think that's the first thing is is that it's when people suddenly start looking at you in a funny way. I remember my going out with my niece and nephews periodically, and they used to like walking backwards behind me not that I knew that they were doing this but they'd go oh look 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 they looked back <laughs> and for them it was thoroughly exciting and they so were I, children at the time they, they were children <laughs> yes no they were in their 60s yes. uh, no they were <laughs> children they just really into fame yeah yeah uh, it's just that fits that sort and of thing do you remember the first time where you were asked for your autograph or someone asked to take a photo or anything no I don't so it wasn't a big no. part it wasn't a big and part and also of your don't life. forget as well about taking photographs people tended not to have cameras on them in those days yeah as well because yeah. again we're talking about a time before uh phones with uh, superior yes picture picture phones. picture taking Smart quality phones. smartphones and so this is all before then because this is essentially 30 years mm. ago yeah my goodness i guess what i'm, I'm interested in a little bit is whether you know you you um pursued a career in an industry where uh, or, or in, in a role in a job where potentially, if you got to the to mm. the top of that industry, which you did, um, you were likely to be in the public eye. So I'm interested in in whether you know but how much way- were you how much were you mm. how much were you pursuing success because it was what you loved doing, and how and was there any element of it at all where you thought mm, I'd quite like actually at some point to be in the public eye? I think what I'd probably I, I think. The thing is, because I was late to television, I was 28 before I went into television. So that was when I was in border television. So up until that point, I'd done the Peter Wigan Telegraph, Mm -hmm. worked on Radio Hong Kong, worked on Radio Trent... And then worked at Central Television as in, as a PR for the document for documentary series, and then I went to Border Television. So for 28 years of my life, I never wore makeup. I wore essentially whatever I felt comfortable in, and uh, actually got two written warnings when I was on the Peter Ream Telegraph for what they considered to be inappropriate dress wear. It was comfortable. I'd made it out of an old tablecloth because I like sewing. Right. And the stripy socks and clogs, I was comfy. Uh, so <laughs> Two warnings. Even after the first one, you didn't change. The thing is, I, I, I thought I had changed. I, I thought I was looking quite smart when they said, how would you approach, you know, if we'd asked you to go and interview the Queen right now, what would you say? I'd say, brilliant. Yeah. This is a really good opportunity give for me. Give us some fashion advice. G- g- <laughs> I can help her out with those wretched handbags that just look so pointless. You know, you need a backpack. Always, always, always a backpack. Especially or if something. you're going hiking, Queenie. Yeah, exactly. Or, or a crossbody bag in, mm-hmm. in, in the era of crossbody mm-hmm. kind of hand knitted type sort of bags. Yeah, exactly. I'd have given her loads of fashion advice. What's wrong with you? Um, so I was quite late to the, to the telly scene. And the reason I wanted to work in television was because... When I was in telly, so I'd gone from radio and essentially each one I I always wanted to be something. So when I was on the newspaper, I wanted to be Catherine Whitehorn of The Observer. Right. Then I went into radio. So influences, basically, people you uh, aspired to be Uh, like. Catherine Whitehorn, yeah, was just a a brilliant, brilliant columnist who wrote these incredible, uh, incredible pieces. And then when I was on radio, I aspired to being somebody, I suppose, if you would say uh, who it was, it would be the Today programme, the mm-hmm. early Today programme. But I, I knew I was never going to, to do that because I, I ne- I've never been clever enough. I mean, I didn't go to university. I'm incred- I'm just entirely self-taught. You know, I love the things that I love, but I haven't got that kind of... Uh, and in those days, anyway, the BBC never took anybody unless you were a graduate. So I knew that was a no-no. And then, when, and, and then essentially, when I went into television and I was a PR for these documentary series, then I wanted to be a documentary maker. 
And I just thought, oh, there's a lot of effort. There's a lot of effort involved in that. And I've always been, and I spend all my time thinking about holidays and where I'm going to go next. So, you know, I suppose I've never really kind of got my head down and done, um, you know, really worked hard at that sort of side of it. And then the Border Television advert was in the UK Press Gazette, which was is the kind of Bible, as it were, for journalists. Okay. And it was a tiny little advert, and it said, um, uh, reporter, presenter, border television, opportunities. I, honestly, I, I, it was only about five lines. It was such a tiny little advert. And I thought, opportunity? Great. What, the opportunity to go and work in, uh, in Cumbria? What, in the place I like hiking in? What wow. a great idea. Okay. Lovely. So I applied, and... Um, they, they they told me the salary, which was half of what I was getting at the time. Uh, I was actually on quite, not a bad salary. Mm. And they essentially said, you know, 20p, but it's a really good opportunity. And I said, yeah, why would I not? Yeah. So off I went and and I was there for eight months when, unbeknownst to me, two people from Thames News were kind of doing the rounds of the local television stations, trying to find somebody. Headhunting. Headhunting to, mm. to have somebody go... Uh, co- um, be a co-presenter with a guy called Andrew Gardner who'd been an ITN newsreader and was now on Thames News and there they were sitting in a hotel room in Carlisle and up I pop and they approached me and said would you like to come and work on Thames News in London Monday to Thursday Friday's off yeah the I dream. thought I thought <clears throat> Monday to Thursday that means I've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday to go hiking and to go <laughs> to go wherever and it was holidays and all the rest of it yeah. and London and I'd never lived in London uh, well I hadn't yeah I hadn't lived um, in London so it was a sort of exciting thing I mean I'd lived in London periodically sure. but not very much mm-hmm. and, and only really flat sharing as opposed to actually properly living in London so Dana came to London and unbeknownst to me uh, whilst I was uh, presenting there Sky News was starting mm. And Sky News approached me and said, "Would you like to do, be on this startup thing?" And how long had you been at Thames when Sky? A year. A year. So okay. I was eight so months. Pretty at quick though. Eight months and then. Yeah, and then yeah. a year, and then, and so many of my mates. So all the way along, I've often had friends saying, "Why? Why would you do that?" So when I went backpacking for, for accidentally for two and a half years, <laughs> all my mates on the newspaper said, "End of your career. That's it." You know, you'll be doing. You know, hopeful. Hope you hope you're looking forward to stacking yeah. shelves for the rest of your. You'll be life. doing the classified dating ads. <laughs> Whatever, <laughs> and so and then and then when I um, at radio, actually to be fair, at Radio Hong Kong, I didn't have. Well, I was only there for eight months, so so the people there and they would, you know, they it was fine. But then when I left um, Thames, everybody was going. But why would you go to something that, that, that it hasn't started? You don't know whether it's going to be a success. And I thought. Well, what's the worst that happens? I go and, I don't know, accidentally go backpacking again because there are lots of places I haven't been to. I wanted to go to Mongolia. Still haven't been. Uh, I wanted to go and travel a lot in Africa. Have been and travelled a lot in Africa. Uh, But there were so many other places I wanted to go and I thought, you know, I could maybe go and work in Australia maybe or go and do other things. So actually, although it's scary, there's always been this... Yeah, but if the worst comes to the worst, yeah. I can always go and, I that, don't know. That's a really nice 
position to be in, to feel confident enough in yourself that whatever happens, it's not going to be a panic. It's not going to be a crisis. Well, it's always horrible. <laughs> nobody wants to. Nobody wants to not have a job. Mm. Uh, in this in this business, actually, in almost in, in any, any business, business. in yeah, any yeah. business, nobody wants to not have a job. Yeah. Nobody wants to not have a job, but it's what you do when you don't have a job. I mean, it's always really upsetting when somebody comes up to you and says, "You know what? We don't like the look of you. We mm. don't want your face here anymore. Mm. We don't want your writing. We don't want whatever it is. Mm. That, that's come to an end. Nobody likes it. It's horrible. You feel rubbish. I, I don't believe anybody." Who says that it's that it's a great feeling? No, I don't it believe isn't. I don't believe anyone who says that you know say, say it to my face and it's fine. It's no, completely no, untrue. it's rubbish. It's rubbish no matter which way. It's rubbish if they slid a piece of paper under the door. It's rubbish if it was I don't know written on the kipper that you had for breakfast. Right, yeah, or a text or whatever. Now these days, yeah, email. I don't care how it is. Somebody taking you into a small room with a with a bottle of you know here we are terribly sorry about this champagne. I don't care which way it's done. It's never nice. No. Just because because the whole thing and actually famosity comes into this. Is that actually a word? We've just we've just we're decided just, just, it is. We just yeah. decided. I think we should make up more words. So, oh, My I mean, dad it's, used it's to make up likely. words. Yeah, he used to make up one when you were faking illness, which was oh, you've got a touch of globzonius boblitate, I think. <laughs> so so I think it comes into the famosity thing again. Is that actually what you have, and you have it on Instagram now and social media, is you have other people saying you're great as opposed to just your parents, yeah. if you have lovely parents who say you're great or your mate saying you're great. You have other people. It's ridiculous. Why do we care? Mm. But we just do. But you have it's the flip a side as well. Thing. You have a lot more people telling you you're not great. And you have a lot more people saying that. And, and, I, and again, how many times have I done an interview um, where, and this is why it's so weird because I'm a, both a, an interviewer and interviewee mm. <laughs> is that how many times have I asked people and I said, but you know, you're always being given five star reviews and they always say either on air or off air. I only ever remember the bad ones. Mm. You can get a hundred saying brilliant. And the one that says, why do you do that? Yeah. We, you will always remember. We've talked about that a lot with, with a yeah. lot of our guests because we had a lot of comedians on as well and, it, and yeah. it's the same thing. You know, you have a you get a standing ovation but you're only looking at the person who's not standing. You yeah. Know what I mean? yeah, or the person it, who's dozed off or the person that the, who's... Is that, um, is that the perfor a performer's way? They're not just a performer but people in any way in the public eye or wanting affirm needing affirmation or is that just everyone and yet we just have... Or I think it's everyone. Yeah. I think it's everyone. I mean, you think about why why it is that employee of the year, why do you want to be employee of the year, employee of the month, employee of the week? Mm. It's because somebody somewhere is saying, hey, you're really good. Mm. And we like being good. We like being good at things. It's why when we go through school, if you're not good at sport, what do you do? Do you keep on plugging away at sport? No. You go, oh, I've broken my yeah. toe, yeah. My, my ear hurts. Yeah. Whatever it is that you're not good at, you think, why would I press on? When, yeah. you, we want to shine. It's the human condition. We want to be good at something and we want somebody else to say, you're really good at that because then it makes you feel happy. Yeah. And, you know, if we are solitary animals, how come a sunset looks better when you've got somebody else sitting there that you say, unless you hate them. Um, <laughs> but if you're with somebody else that you want to Sounds be like with. Sounds like experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We all, I think surely we've all been there. Uh, but if you're with somebody that you want to be with and you see a sunset... It's just, it can move you to tears. Mm. On your own, it can move you, but it's 
doubly brilliant if there's somebody else there. And it's doubly brilliant if, if you do something that you love doing and that you know you're good at and somebody else says, that's really good. Yeah. You know, when you make food, you make food for yourself. Do you then sit there and go, I am brilliant? <laughs> or do you feel like wearing a medal when somebody else says, that is restaurant yeah. grade? Yeah. So that's the human condition you're talking the about, human basically. Condition that's what we're is designed that. to seek out. And famosity merely is you being being told you're brilliant loads and loads and loads of times. Right. I wonder if if kind of what you're saying, though, is, you know, it it was so much more hassle back in the day to send a letter of complaint mm. that actually not many people would because it was too yeah. much hassle. But now, because of the way that Twitter and social media is, it just has opened up a... Yeah an opportunity for people to just suddenly bang it out straight away yeah. and th- and do they even really mean it that no, much or not? No, they probably don't. Yeah. And no, they probably don't. Mm. I mean, you know, in the day, back in the days when uh, you had people like Jan Leeming whose massive great earrings in the 80s used to sort of plummet off here and there. My goodness, the 80s, what a desperate time for, tra- for, for fashion. But, you know, if you wanted to complain about somebody's earrings then, what an effort. Why why on earth would you bother? Now, you look at somebody's earrings, you go, oh, those are horrible. Quick tweet, Instagram, email, whatever, you know, what a load of old rubbish. And I don't like the way you say that. And why are you doing it that way? And you get it off your chest. And if somebody came up to you and said, you know what you just said? If you knew how hurtful that was, would you still do it? I think an awful lot of people no, wouldn't. No. Well, nobody does it to anyone's face anyway. All of the guests who yeah. we talked about social media, they're like, actually, it never happens to my face. It just happens yeah. online cause, and because people don't have the bollocks to say it to well, people's Well, actually, faces, funny enough, really. um, when I was, uh, I, I was at the proms at the park in a kind of VIP section, one of the benefits of being, being moderately yeah. famous, I was in the VIP section and this woman marched up to me and said, oh, hello, you're... Penny Smith, aren't you? And I said, yes. And she said, I read one of your books. It was terrible. And I said, oh, thank you. How very kind of you to make yeah. the effort to tell me. And Was she drunk? Uh, yes. Well, mm. yes. I think she might have, been sli- thing. might have been slightly in her cups. That's another thing that, in uh, you know, greases the wheels of people's bravery. Yep. Um, and also, again, why would you bother? I know I, I've, I've seen loads of things that I haven't liked, but I wouldn't dream of telling somebody that I didn't like them. I'm... Because, and apart from anything else... You know, she could have come up and said, you know, well done for all those hours that you spent on your own writing those novels. Yeah. Because unlike lots of people who are famous and who have ghostwriters, yeah. I actually wrote my books. I actually wrote them physically myself. I wrote every single word. I changed every single sentence. Unlike people who go yeah. away maybe to a to a sort of secret place and go and say, I think the book should be kind of something like that. And then they yeah. tinker around at the edges. Yeah. That is not the same as writing a book. I'm intrigued as to how that woman thought that conversation was going to go. Like, where does it even go from there? <laughs> And, well, and then, you know, that's it. I've said it and she gets to go home and say, oh, and I told yeah. Penny Smith. Yeah, I know. I'm that's, like, I know. That's How very odd. Yeah, at least when I claimed I met Dustin Hoffman, I was at this thing. and You claimed it or you did meet Dustin no, Hoffman? No, the thing is, I did meet him but, <laughs> and I did even speak to him. But what I did was I was with a girlfriend and I just saw Dustin Hoffman and I said, I, I really, I just can't go and say hello to him because that would just be just weird somehow okay so what i did was i just said okay just tell me when i'm going back far enough so then i bumped into him turned (laughs) around said i am so sorry he said it's perfectly all right and off i went and i went 
Look at that. I can say I spoke to Dustin Hoffman. I did that with David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> just, I essentially just bumped into people and then afterwards said, yeah, I was speaking to David Bowie last night. And was oh, that yeah. was that whilst you were in the... You, were fa- you, yeah, yeah, you, no, you described was, it as moderately famous? Uh, yeah, well, no, I was working at GMTV at the time and it was, a, it was at a big old... Fl- you know, seriously flashy party so, where I just spent my all the time going around with my mouth open thinking, whoa, look at all those famous people. I think and then qu- just bumping into them. I think that's really interesting though because um, presumably then, is was there a level at that time or even now maybe, there's a level of famous person who you might feel confident enough to go up to and introduce yourself to and then obviously then another level when we're talking about the Bowies and the Dustin Hoffmans where you're like, I've got to bump into them so that I can say that I've, <laughs> so that I can say I've spoken to them. <laughs> Um, it's difficult, isn't it, really? Because it's just, what level would they... <sighs> the Chuckle Brothers, you'd probably say hello. Thought, Timmy yeah. Mallet, hello, all those guys. Yeah, I'd have said hello to them, yeah. <laughs> I suppose people who were, yeah, at the... Is it is it people, do you think, who you think automatically would know who you were? Yeah, probably. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah of course. That makes sense. Yeah. So that you don't feel that you're being, uh, you know, presumptuous. Here I am, uh, yeah. you know, um, pipsqueak coming over and talking to the it's in, massive it, star. It's basically just an extension of how we all feel, actually. It's not. It's no different. Yeah. It's just, you know, if you're in a situation where you feel like comfortable you, with your status within a group, then but, you then you're you see, more I would confident. say, you, you know, you come back to a, a factory, for example. Who do you say hello to? You might not even necessarily know who they are, but if you're, if you're, um, uh, I don't know, um shop floor level you take you you know you might know somebody you might see somebody in the canteen who's of a similar ilk mm. to you similar level similar level mm. and you'd nod to them wouldn't you you'd nod yeah. you wouldn't necessarily know who they are but you know where they work and all the rest of it and maybe you'd be a little more uh, deferential if it was your boss yeah or the head of the company the, the head of the company yeah exactly yeah for sure millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah, and, um, I, uh, yeah and, I think that's, and I think that's that's true of all of us, therefore. 
Yeah. Um, just before we move on from this, um, talking about, you mentioned that you were at Sky for the launch. Yeah. And then you also started on GMTV for their launch, didn't you? Is no, right? no, no, oh, you no. Didn't. I wasn't there at the beginning. No. Oh, okay. No. It had well, you must change your Wikipedia. <laughs> all, oh, really? all my prep, I think, comes from Wikipedia. Do you know what? It's funny, isn't it, how Wikipedia does that? You can literally I go and change it. No, I've tried to change things before, <laughs> and it keeps That's on That's very honest. Back. Not many people on this podcast would admit to that, actually. To try and change it. I got tried to get my agent to change it, yeah. actually, because it had a wrong thing. I can't remember what the wrong thing was, but I said, can you change that? Because it's really irritating me that it keeps on saying I'm a this and whatever it was, when I actually haven't and never have done. Whatever, I can't remember. It was something somebody that I worked for. Mm. And, and I, it kept on saying it, and I said, I haven't. I genuinely haven't. I mean, I forget so much. I keep forgetting. I, I go, God, did I really? Yes, I did do a thing like that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I have tried to change Wikipedia. And then it sort of seems to change it back. And I don't know who, yeah, who has the flipping power. Who mm, are these uh, yeah. people? The moderators. Invisible, the moderators, anyway. The point oracles. is, no, I wasn't there at the beginning of GMTV. I, uh, I think because right at the beginning, it was, funny enough, it was the woman who had given me my job at Border Television, Liz Howe, who was there working there. And she, uh, and she uh, chose Fiona Armstrong, right. who she'd worked with, funny enough, at Border Television. And it was Fiona Armstrong and Michael Wilson, with whom I'd worked at Sky News. I was co-presented co with him there. So they, they, they were there. And then they went and it was... And you must have thought when you saw them, you're like, oh, I might be in, I might be in with a chance here down the line. <laughs> uh, just, just picking up from all the places I've worked at before. Yeah, I think at that point, um, who was I? I was just loving, I loved working at Sky News. It was just really good fun. There were, it was, it was kind of exhausting at the same time because mm. there were lots of times when people would stand around in corridors saying, do you have mortgage protection? And I was thinking, no. Right. <laughs> They would say, we don't know whether the sandwich bill has been paid. Oh, I see. It was all those right. sort of conversations. Of Rumours were rife that it was never going to survive, that things are going, that things were going all Pete Tong. Was that before they realised that they had to buy all the football to keep their subscription levels up? Oh, basically? that was way before then, yeah. way before then. That was when it was just Sky News. And my, our news editor was Nick Ferrari, uh, oh, yeah. who then went on to become the Uber, um, Uber LBC yeah. radio presenter. Yeah. So, yeah, so GMTV was, no, GMTV was established by then. I had, funny enough, I had an interview at TVAM. Oh, okay. And TVAM was before, before GMTV, GMTV, yeah, on yeah, ITV, and that was, yeah. that was at what we call Egg Cup House in, in Camden. TVAM was um, Anne and Nick, wasn't it? Anne, Anne and, and Nick, Nick and, yeah. Uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, exactly. All those, I think David Frost back in the day as well did some right, of it. Right, but at the beginning. And again, it was a bit like the way that GMTV started in the fact that the people who started weren't necessarily the people who then continued on because mm. it didn't quite work. They also hadn't realised that with the sofa, you couldn't just have a normal sofa because essentially people just lounged in them. Yeah. So essentially you got a lot of knee action and not a lot of... Uh, and then the head sort of slightly floating behind. So there were quite a few issues with the sofas. <laughs> they had, You had to... You know, essentially had to make an un slightly uncomfortable No sofa. viewers think about the actual... Uh, no, the, the physical... The, the physical real life of, 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 how, of how, how, how it looks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Getting depth and making sure everyone is sitting in the right, in the right fashion, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that you can't slouch because otherwise the tendency for all of us is to... It's to slump. Yeah. We want to be comfy. And no comfy wants... seems to be sort of at, a, at an angle where you can imagine eating lots of popcorn. Yeah. And, and um, ironically, and... watching people look comfortable is not very comfortable no, to watch. Yeah. It's really uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah and really so it. how long was it that you were... Would Is it fair to say that GMTV 
was what then led you to become yes, it your, was, you know, your, your moderate yeah. level of fame, as you would call moderate it. Moderate level of fame. Although on Sky News, funny enough, it did mean that, and I hate flying, which is odd, isn't it, when you consider how, how much, much you I've love travelling? Yes, yeah. exactly. Well, it's a kind of necessary evil. Mm. And uh, I went. To, my parents were living in Cyprus at the time, and I got on a plane, and the guy who was uh, the the steward came over and just said, I'm such a big fan of yours. Would Could you come with me? So I went with... From uh, seeing you on Sky News? Yeah, from seeing me on Sky yeah. News, yeah. So he, my, my friend and I went up to uh, the business class oh, where essentially he plied us with Metaxa Brandy uh, to the point that they had to come over and tell me, you know, I hate turbulence. I know, I know, I know. I know turbulence shouldn't be a problem and yeah. all the rest of it. Mm. Nevertheless, I think the word turbulent is the wrong word to use. <laughs> no relationship that's turbulent is comfortable. So they should call it? it fun bumps. Is that what you're fun suggesting? Fun bumps or or uh, <laughs> uh, fluffy fluffy bits. Yeah. Something Happy or other. clouds. Happy cloud bumps. Happy clouds. Don't care what they call it. Mm. Just turbulence is a terrible word. If you're going in, if you're on a boat and you're in turbulent water, yeah. you know it's not going to be the sort of uh, yeah. You're not talking about Mediterranean cruise with a small glass of martini, are you? No. You're talking about whitewater rafting, yeah. which is fine, but you yeah. might be wearing a helmet anyway. It's so completely there was, human nature. It's completely human nature, human nature to hate turbulence. Hate the of word course. turbulence. Yeah, yeah. So there was this turbulence. Anyway, by this time, I was somewhat in my cups, and they had to come over and say, "Can you stop making that noise?" And I didn't realise I was doing it every time we went into this, and we were doing oh, you that were screaming horrible every thing. time it bumped. No, I was doing this. Anyway, virtually fell off the plane the other side and uh, mum and dad decided that I needed some food and I actually fell into my meze. So, yeah, you could actually see where the fishbone had gone across my forehead. And your mum and dad at that point were probably like, oh, she's on TV, national TV and she's become an alcoholic. It's unbelievable. <laughs> We knew this was going to happen. We wanted you to get a proper job. <laughs> Luckily, all those years of breakfast television on Sky and GMTV have saved me from my worst excesses. I've never been able to... Because you've had I've to go went, to bed so early. Well, in fact, I, I worked out a way of going to bed at 11 o'clock at night. But nevertheless, I couldn't drink Monday to Friday because there was no way I could do... Because yeah. I love the theatre so and, and opera. So it was a lot of uh, jiggery-pokery. I used to have two sleeps a day. Go home at, mm. you know, sleep at 11 to 3 naps, in the yeah. afternoon. Mm. And then go to sleep at midnight till 4 a.m. and then get up again and, you know, repeat until Friday. Yeah. How long do you think it was that you were doing uh, from when you started GMTV before you felt probably like you were really well known, really in the public eye, probably? I suppose it's it's rather... You see, and how the did it is, feel as well? I'm interested Well, to know. it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's like all of these things. It's such a gradual... In those, Creeps up on you. Yeah, well... It, this makes me sound so old talking about in those days but now you become famous you know, literally you can go and be on Love Island and you are famous a week later mm -hmm. so so it's a very different thing it was a very slow very gradual thing so when I was working at Thames News for example you know I, there I was I lived in Camden at the time and I remember I was just absent-mindedly fondling some plums at the supermarket when somebody tapped me on my shoulder. <laughs> You're giving said... me such excellent social media quotes here, Penny. <laughs> yeah, sorry to interrupt. Fondling plums, yeah. I was fondling plums in the supermarket and because there's a thing about plums. You don't want them soggy, but you don't want them as hard as rocks because they, they don't ripen nicely. Sure. So there I was absent-mindedly fondling the plums in the supermarket when somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, 
<laughs> you're off Thames News, aren't you? Can I have your autograph? And there I was, so, surprised and 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 bewildered and confused and and everything else in equal measure. And particularly when they gave me a receipt to sign, it just seemed like the the oddest thing in the universe. So I suppose, and and also actually, when I think about it, Border Television, I was that was the fastest I've ever been famous. Okay. Border Television in your area. In Cumbria, mm. I was within two weeks. I was being asked for photographs, asked to open fates. I said, I felt a fraud. I felt ridiculous. Yeah. I felt, I, I felt like I was living in a parallel universe. Yeah. I kept on thinking, why, what, why me? Yeah. I mean, there was one time when I was buying a pair of pants, and what can I say? I like a pant that's a lot bigger than me because I don't like to. I don't like to be constricted. <laughs> and I was. I was buying a pack of extra large, and this woman behind me uh, uh, sort of struck up a conversation and everything, and then said, "Oh, extra large? Who are you buying those for?" And I felt so slightly, weirdly embarrassed about it. What well, does it matter what I? Am? Goodness sake, you know. And I, I can't remember whether I and in a in a queue when you when it's going really slowly and you're ending up having a conversation and you suddenly think, oh, this is just, this is just too awful. So I just didn't buy them yeah. in the end. So you'd experienced, you'd experienced different levels of fame, so local mm. fame, and then you, at GMTV, you said it's kind of crept up on you. Well, but is, there, up. is there anything, any kind of moment where you suddenly feel like, oh, I'm not like almost famous anymore. I'm now, I'm kind uh, of suppose... famous. I'm, people know who I am. I'm... I don't think you ever... I don't think you ever think that because there's always somebody who's more famous than more you. More famous than you. So I think if you and I, we all know the comparisons are odious, or is it odious? The um, if you compare, you, you you always think no, it's not me. I mean, when you asked me to do this, I just thought oh, yes, fine, yeah, not really famous, but anyway, it's fine. Almost famous actually kind of probably sums it up. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing, isn't it? You're always compared to somebody else. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, well, and it works both ways. I mean, not, yeah. not many, many people would say, "Well, of course, Penny Smith is famous because I know who she was, and I yeah. know exactly, I know yeah. exactly how I know who she yeah, was." Exactly. Um, and so I suppose, I suppose, it, it, it you suddenly start thinking, "Oh, I've achieved." I suppose I've gone up a little notch. I suppose when you get asked to go and do something, I did. I, you know, when Anton Deck asked me get to go and do something, or never mind the Buzzcocks, or have I got news for you? When you get invited to do these things, and you think, oh, well, they must. It must be therefore because I'm moderately well known. Yes, and good at what I do, and hopefully good at what yeah. I do. Yeah, and that's the most important thing, presumably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's about being. Yeah, exactly. And you did GMTV for so long. What happened? Yeah. What happened at the end? Was that a diff Was it difficult? the wheels fell off? Didn't they? The uh, wheels fell off for and it GMTV was horrible. in general, but what about for you? And uh, it felt like the wheels had come off completely. Yeah, it was a it was a horrible time. I had a horrible year, where it felt because the problem again is, and I'm sure actors would say the same thing. If you if you achieve a sort of a level of oh, famosity, here we go again. It means that actually the the sort of things that I could have done if I'd lost my job on the Peter Beaveney Telegraph, if the worst came to the worst, I could go and I'm a really good waitress and I was really good in the paper shredding factory. I'm really good at anything that involves being tidy and neat yep. and uh, maybe a bit chatty here and there. Yeah, all You're of very those chatty, Penny. Excellent, very excellent chattiness. Yeah, excellent chattiness. But the whole point is that then I could have gone and done anything without anybody saying, oh, 
Right. I hate it when you see in papers, look at this person who used to be in EastEnders, mm. Coronation Street, whatever, working in a supermarket. Know, what the yeah. hell are they supposed to do? That was awful. How yeah. on earth are they supposed that to make ends meet? That was awful. Yeah. It happened last really year. Awful. And I just thought, for goodness sake, I just so hoped that somebody would see that and give that person a job mm. and go and make them, uh, you know, get, go and give them a really good, yeah. maybe a theatre job or something so that they could just gradually get back into it rather than going back into being on, on the telly box all the time. And I don't know why I said telebox. I don't normally say that in math. Because we're making up words today. We're making up words. Well, the telebox exactly. is already there. Mm, we know yeah, that. I know, but it's already out there, isn't it? Yeah. I don't really, it's not really my sort of word. Anyway, uh, I come back to that point. So the thing is, when the wheels do come off, when something like that, all, all the ways that you have of making money somehow suddenly seem a bit ridiculous because you go, yeah, but I've, I've got a mortgage to pay mm. and I've got, I've, I've got this to do and I want to do this and, and. And it's quite hard as well to go back to you suddenly there you are you're used to kind of whining and dining in various areas and kind of coming out and uh, not having worried about yeah, the money having that you to sp- change your lifestyle and then having to change your lifestyle mm. and suddenly go back to and I'm not bad at doing that no I actually quite like a baked potato and baked beans it's not an issue but at the same time then you've got people all your friends of course are saying hey come and do fill in the dots you know come yeah. and go come skiing and you think mm. and I'm thinking I I can't and I also can't tell them that I don't want to because I don't want to spend the money mm. uh, and so so there's a stigma attached because it's in because it's because it, it's in the public public, public eye. Eye and they and they know or you or at least you perceive that they know about it because they've read stuff about the yeah, fact that you've, that you've, you've lost gone. your job yeah right? you've lost your job so there's an extra yeah I mean dare I say humiliation there's to the it. humiliation that you were obviously so rubbish that oh look they've kept everybody else on but they seem to have but got is that what so is that just for people who don't know is that what you felt happened to you it wasn't that GMTV came to an end and you left it was like no it felt it, like well because there were there were people who were got rid of and there were people who were kept right. And so, of course, therefore, you immediately think that is because I am rubbish. Right. And all those people who had written in and said, you are rubbish, were obviously right. And all the people who said that they liked me were obviously wrong because that's obviously yeah, how but, it but, goes. Uh, arguably, oh, listen, it doesn't make any difference. No, in the, in the, arguably, you say having been there for 17 years, 17 years is a lot longer than a lot of people yeah, but, stay but in that any isn't, job. But, but that's that not how your head but works that's not at the how time. humans work. No, and course. also, you have to remember at four o'clock in the morning when you haven't slept and you're worried about the mortgage, that is when you start thinking uh, all the all the all the bad thoughts. Of course, there's that card that was it's got a picture of a little girl. It's just a, just a very like stick drawings and everything, and it's a girl with the covers pulled right up at a bed, and there's these weird shapes at the bottom of the bed, and it says it was three o'clock in the morning, and all the worst things were standing at the bottom of the bed, looking worse and worse and worse and that was me at Mm. the time because it doesn't matter what else is going on in your life the fact that you've got health uh, that you have a lovely family that you adore doesn't matter how anything else is going it's it's still just you Mm. you know it's still just you in your head unfortunately which is why you know when things happen and, and, and you look at people who are who find it too much of a challenge you know your heart goes out to them because because you know you can see how it happens yeah and now it's so much harder yeah because so of, much harder yeah. because of yeah. social media and, uh, and and the sort of shout that goes out there mm. 
How did you bounce back then? Like in terms of that was obviously a very difficult time in terms of your mental health and and your and fame in that instance Although is affecting fu- your mental health because of those things we mentioned, the fact yeah. that it's in the public eye and stuff. How how hard was it for you to bounce back and, and what enabled you to do I, that? Well, I think that I suppose just getting just getting opportunities, the opportunities continuing mm. is all of a sudden you go, okay, so so there is life after yeah. TV. There are and people things. believe in me. Yes, and I can't be as bad as my head. I can't my be as bad as my head me. as my negative head says. Yes, yeah. exactly that. And I, I I do come back to the fact that you know I've got a, a, my family is my wall behind me, and and we have always been able to laugh and be silly and and. Everybody kind of gangs up, and 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 you're back in a group. Yeah, you know, that's it's, lovely. So, so I think that's incredibly helpful. Not to say that that is the only thing, but there are, and I think also, you know, natural resilience probably comes through too. A bit. I was a bit older, mm. so although it was horrible, nevertheless, uh, well, it's it's that weird thing, isn't it? I was a bit older, so therefore a bit wiser, perhaps but then a bit older and therefore a bit more worried about yeah. whether I was ever going to work again. Yeah. And that's the other side yeah, of it too. Side. Yeah, that's the flip side. And you mentioned your family because in the first series we interviewed um, children or siblings of famous people mm. and asked how their lives have been affected. How do you think your family reacted to your fame? Like, How, how do you think it's affected uh, their lives, be it your parents or... I think oh, yeah, well, I, I think we've all had rather a nice time out of it. Actually, <laughs> I think we've all rather. In, uh, well, I mean, I hope we have. We haven't really. We don't really talk about it particularly. But it's it's allowed, it's allowed us to go on uh, on fun holidays, for example, and do and do fun things and 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 all the rest of it. Um, you know, it's been. I, it's difficult, isn't it? Because unless you actually spoke to every single one individually, away from me. It, it, you wouldn't. You don't know that you would ever get the full story necessarily. Yeah, you know, because we all have it, which is why it's always difficult when you read mem- memoirs and stuff, and you think, I wonder if everybody saw it that way. Because after all, there's your truth, their truth, and then probably the truth somewhere in the middle. Yes, that's exactly right. You know, we all we all have a view of something, and we see it through our own eyes because we are all solipsistic. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just. Uh, so so I don't know. I don't think it's. I don't think it's ever been a particularly big issue. Uh, you know, I, again, I come back to that point about I feel sorry for people whose whose families are perhaps not as lovely as mine. Um, if you've got family like Meghan Markle, mm. sometimes you look at that and you just think, oh, you know, it's, it's not her, it's no. her family. Yeah, it's so easy, it seems to me always, it's so easy to support someone, especially in your family, and yet with that example... Even so, we're talking about his dad, her dad, yeah, her really, dad, aren't we? Yes, we her are, dad. Yeah. Um, he says every, every interview he does, he's like, "But all I want is for her to no, be, be happy, be, be happy, and be friends uh, with me." No, it's like, "But you no, don't." <laughs> no, you patently don't. Yeah. Because if you wanted you want, her to be happy, you would back off. You'd be. You, you, you'd you just know, shut up. You'd just shut so up. So what you actually want is you want to be rich, uh, and yeah. then also to be able to say to her, I didn't mean it. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's really poor form. Yeah, it is. But it 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 is. But. And, and also, if you're chatty and you don't necessarily know, which is perhaps what happened at the beginning, mm. because nobody could possibly, you know, if you are 
from a family where you've where things are chaotic and you look around and and then somebody comes up to you and they don't make it clear they're a journo or or whatever else or you say something to somebody who then says it passes it on to a journo yeah so it's, you've slightly got Chinese whispers then you try and put it right by saying your side of it and then you make more of a mess. I mean, we've all been there as well, where you've tried to make things better and you've just succeeded in making things so much worse. You you maybe write it down thinking, if I do it clearly, and then, of course, people read it the wrong way. It's all the eat shoots and leaves, commas in the wrong place yeah. or tone being wrong or mm. them reading it one way and you thinking, how could they possibly have said seen that when I actually meant that? Yeah, and 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 it's all being played out. It's interesting, in the isn't it? That you are a journalist, and yet even you know you're talking about examples where even you find yourself yes, trying to make things terrible, better, and you find yourself yes, making and, it worse. And you have to. Uh, so everyone's you, capable. Basically. Everyone's capable mm. of making of making a muck of things, and and it's why it's it's why probably I. If if there's ever any issues, I would prefer to speak to people because they can see what you're saying. Yeah. So That's instead, of, so when you're saying to somebody face to face, you know, it was really difficult when you said that to me because I instantly felt that you were attacking me. And they say, no, I was actually attacking myself. That because I've had those sort of conversations. Mm. Especially now there's no, because there's no tone to text or email. No. And so things there's can no get nuance. so mixed up. There's no, it, 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 there's no nuance. You can't tell what people are saying. Yeah. It, you know, sometimes it's because you were in a hurry. Then you've got autocorrect. Mm. No, of yeah. course I didn't mean to call you that because it, it came up as that when I actually meant to say something yeah. else. Yeah, and that's similar with when you're reading stuff in newspapers and things as well, really. I, I just want to touch on that as well because we're, we're running out of time a little bit. So we'll go into some like mm. uh, pithy quickfire pithy ones quick in a second. Ones, okay, yeah. But um, just this, I wonder, uh, one thing that we've that seems to uh, be in common with all of the um, people we've interviewed in this second series is they've all had lies written about them in the press. I wonder if that's something that you've had to experience down the years, any kind of stuff that you've uh, just had to be like, that's uh, completely lie. No, that's I don't think lie. there's been, ever been anything that's been a complete lie. No. Oh, that's good. No, I can't think of... Uh, uh, I, 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 do you know what? Touch wood. I've always been treated extraordinarily well in the press. Do you think that's because you treat people well and you've... you know, you've... I have no... Do you know what? I have no idea. But all I know is that, for example, I did something in the Daily Mail about, funnily enough, about all the clothes that I make. I haven't realised quite how many I've made... Uh, so what we need shows from you on are travelling and clothing design. Clearly, and all of these those are these things, are your yeah. these are your passions. passions. Well, I've got lots of them. Going well. around the yeah, world exactly. to visit yeah, yeah, exactly. the best designers. I'd love to do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I did come up with a proposal for that. Actually. Oh, there you go. I know, but they're not interested. They'd probably prefer it being done by a <laughs> comedian who uh, <laughs> couldn't. So, um, so I wrote this article for the Mail about how what why what I like about sewing, and I think it's probably what I like about things like yoga or hiking or anything else. It's because it's very good at get clearing out your head. Mm. You have to concentrate mm -hmm. because otherwise you can't do things. So I wrote this article, and they said to me afterwards, uh, "Did you? By the way, did you read the comments?" At the end, because you know there's always comments yeah. at the end. And oh. I said, oh, I said, as if. Why <laughs> yeah. would I read the comments when it's just all? And she, they said, No, no, you're one of those people who just doesn't seem to get bad comments. And I thought, Really? Anyway, I still didn't read. Them, I bet just that's in because case. you're very real and you're very yourself. It doesn't. It doesn't strike me like there's any kind of persona to you. Whereas with a lot of uh, broadcasters, performers, 
anyone. There's always it feels like there's always maybe some little side to them. But I feel like you're very authentic. I think is a word they probably oh, use. My goodness, authentic. And then journey. It's what about a journey? It's all about have journey. A, have we had a journey yet? There will be. Uh, we're, we're getting to the end of our journey here, Penny. <laughs> um, so just some. We have these kind of pith. Uh, these kind of um, yeah, slightly more quick, quick. fire pithy. Okay. Pithy answers needed. I'll, I'll, attempt, I'll attempt a pithy answer. Can you think uh, what's the most embarrassing thing that's happened to you because you were famous? Uh, Other than backing into famous people on uh, purpose, which I'd find pretty embarrassing. Most embarrassing thing. Uh, oh, probably the plums, I should imagine. Plums or pants. I mean, one just, of the two. just, oh, the yeah, I suppose the big pants. Yeah, a yeah, little bit pants. embarrassing. Yeah. What's the best thing about being famous? I think you alluded to, you know, having had a lovely time and having traveling. Traveling. Uh, the worst thing about being famous? Um, n- not, not being able to be uh, um, embarrassing without, without, somehow it appearing somewhere. I don't know. I suppose being in a bikini, horrible, because I like a bikini. Right. And then and then suddenly you're seeing a picture of yourself and you go every – you just think, I'm not a model. Right, so being long lens papped kind of thing. Long lens papped, yeah, that's not – no, yeah. Yeah, that's not nice. You never look good. You never look good in a pap. And also – yeah, there's there's a, there's just something about it. You, you, yeah. Your face never looks quite right, and everything. And because I don't wear makeup, it looks just so much worse. And what advice would you give to someone who's maybe um, aspiring to have a career like yours uh, and aspires to be uh, in the public eye in some kind? Be of Be nice to people on the way up, because when you're on the way down, uh, you need them. Yeah. And who is the most famous person in your phone? <laughs> my goodness, who is the most famous person in my phone? Yeah, we've had. Um, We've had Adele. Uh, from Ralph Little had Adele, and he only went through the A's. Uh, oh my goodness! So, so he's so you, he's a wash. Have you got anyone off the top of your head? Uh, I suppose Mike Rutherford, Genesis. Oh well, and they're just reforming as well. That was announced yesterday. I know yesterday. how exciting. Very that. exciting. Plus, he is the, one of the loveliest human beings on the planet. Oh well, there you go. And he's in your yeah. phone. He's in my phone. He's in my life. Actually, he's lovely. Perfect, Penny. Thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything you'd like to plug? What are you up to at the moment? I T- do. Tell our audience. I do. Where they can see talk you. radio. Well, seeing we'll uh, talk, talk talk radio. I do. So Saturday, Sunday, breakfast, and it's. I love doing the show. I love doing. In fact, I've. I think I love all of my shows that I do. I do a Scala radio show, which is a Sunday evening show, six till eight, and uh, there is other things here and there. Just uh, you know, periodically. Just I, I. I do Twitter and Instagram. So if people want to follow. And do you want to tell them your handles? Your Twitter I'm handle? at Witch Penny Smith on both of them. Ah, uh, at Witch Penny Smith. Yeah, right. and when I say witch, I don't mean W I T. No, I mean W-H-I-C-H. as in I C H. Because first, when I first went onto social media, they said you had to. Everybody was doing real whatever it is, the real whatever. Yeah, and I the just official said Penny Smith. the official. And I just thought, <laughs> like, I just thought, no, much better to be just which one. In fact, if I could have been which one Penny Smith, no, because it doesn't make sense. Which Penny Smith? There you go. There it is, Penny Smith. Thank you so much for coming. I've really enjoyed the chat. Guys, uh, make sure you press that subscribe button. Uh, do leave us a rating and a comment. It really, really helps. Find us on Instagram at Almost Famous Podcast and on Twitter at Pod Almost Famous. And thank you so much for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.